You're listening to the Heroes Power Hour, presented by BlizzPro.com. Your host, Balrog fan, Zexorus, and DJ Tyrant. Welcome everyone to the Heroes Power Hour. This is episode number 121 for October 17th, 2017. I'm your host, CJ Tyrant. With me is the crew as always. We are the Heroes of the Storm podcast, brought to you by BlizzPro.com. As we do at the top of every show, go around the horn, talking about our week in games. Let's start with PFlameG. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, my week in games hasn't been very eventful. Grad school has picked up. Um... But I did some casting uh, on Sunday, mm-hmm. which was fun. Uh, I got to cast University of Utah, uh, <laughs> my home school where I was born, uh, against IEPY. They lost 2-1, but uh, the game they won was pretty respectable, so got to root for the Utes. That was fun. And we cast another set um, that I've completely blanked on the teams. FF, it was FSU Oh, versus, versus Iowa State University, yes. Yes. Um, so it's fun getting to cast more. Uh, I don't do it that much, but yeah, for sure. Zex, how about uh, your week in Heroes? What have you been up to? Uh, it was fun. We uh, opened Rec League this week with uh, some minor hiccups, but nothing, nothing shattering. They were fun games. They went the way I expected them to, uh, given the teams involved. Uh, but I'm just really happy that we got to start our own league. Um, something that that's our own. That was a lot of fun. Like Carl said, I got to I got to uh, cast some Tespa action on Sunday with Carl. Carl knocked it out of the park. He like he just stepped up, took lead, and just ran away with it. And I was like, oh okay. And like it was it was really entertaining to watch. And I always enjoy uh, casting FSU just because of their name, Crab Legs. I, I get yeah. That joke. <laughs> I get that joke. I love that joke. It's good um, stuff. We missed out on casting XD Boy again, though. That yeah. Was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> let's see. As far as play, I haven't gotten to play. I played some pre-show games after I ran home from work tonight. Um, thankfully, I won't be working there that much longer as I've accepted a position with Beyond the Summit doing being a match admin. So that'll be fun. That's super um, awesome, man. Like, that is yeah. super cool to be able to get paid to do esports work. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's been something I've been wanting to get in with them for a really long time. And thankfully, this won't really interfere with me uh, me doing Nexus commentaries. I don't think that much. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was pretty much my week. Uh, um kind of multitasking tonight as the giant robot fight is on <laughs> yeah most definitely it's for my week in games uh i played a bit more heroes than i uh have been which was kind of nice played a little bit more casually than normal tried to avoid quick match as much as possible and i finally finally played a game of voskaya and i actually really enjoyed the map 
it was really fun. Like I'm, I'm excited to see it hopefully in competitive, uh, relatively soon. Uh, and I enjoyed that and I just played a whole bunch of different heroes. Um, mostly support and warrior, which seems to kind of be where my role is now. Um, also, uh, went down to LA on Saturday and picked up the new art of overwatch book. It's really nice. If you like overwatch, if you don't, you probably don't care. Uh, but it, it was a really, uh, interesting little event that they had, uh, down at the art gallery down there. Got to talk with, uh, Sam Wise for a bit and he's a, he's a super cool guy and super chill. So, uh, apparently I didn't realize this, but talking with him he, since he's like the lead artist for heroes, he mm -hmm. does the concept art for about 80 to 90% of the stuff that we see in the game. So basically oh, wow. all the, the skins that we see have probably been touched by him at, at some point early on in the development cycle. So he has his hands all over that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know a lot of you are here for our Trickler interview that we have been teasing a little bit lately. And Zex and I got to sit down with uh, Tricks Alert last night talking all about esports heroes and his history uh, in the game. So we're not going to delay any longer. We're going to just get right into it and start with that and then get into this week's news. Um, headphone warning. It's a little loud at the start. Blame, blame Zex. See you in a bit. Sorry. All right, everybody. We have a special guest here with us on the Power Hour tonight. With us is the one and only Trixler, the man, the myth, the legend himself. With me on this interview is Mr. Stay Tight himself, DJ Tyrant. Trixler, buddy, how you doing? Good. You just took me flashbacks to 2015 with the Stay Tight memes that's still hanging around here? Oh, yeah. it is. Yeah. Technically, it's 2016, but it was like January No, 2016. it's 2015. We've been it in is? it for years. It makes me feel <laughs> old. That's what we're going with, 2015. Okay, okay there we go. <laughs> uh, I'm good, oh, I'm good. Thank you for the invite, really. It's, uh, it's really cool to be here, and uh, I'm excited to talk about nerd stuff, man. Let's go. So, okay, let's, let's start it off at the beginning. Uh, growing up, favorite games, what were they? Oh, Oh God, we're we're going. We're going way going, back. We go way oh back on these. <laughs> I was not expecting my brain to go that quickly. Jesus, so you want first games that I started getting into? Um, man. So my gaming, what do you even call that? A career, or adventure, whatever? Didn't actually start. I was a late bloomer until like Halo Two, Halo Three times. Um, but I did watch my dad play a lot of games like StarCraft Brood War. Um, God, he played a lot of like these older like RPG games. I don't even know the names of them, but I can literally tell you they looked like Diablo, but they weren't Diablo. Um, <laughs> I would watch him play those all the time, older StarCraft, etc. Uh, but I actually started getting into gaming myself um, when my cousins got an N64, and they got GoldenEye 64, which was like the shiz back then. Uh, so I would bike my way over, and I'd watch them play it. Um, they didn't have enough controllers, so I never got to play. I was a witness Aww. in the background, just enjoying. I was the first, like, eSport land watcher, as I watched my there, two cousins play GoldenEye. <laughs> uh, and they would play, like, Mario 64 and stuff. But that was my peak in interest when it comes to gaming. And eventually, the USA Network actually put Halo 2. Um, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, into a tournament format, and you could watch it weekly. And Final Boss was the team that I made sure no matter what, I tuned in for those games. And I watched Walshy and the Ogres. <laughs> Ogre and Ogre too. Yes! Destroy <laughs> everybody. Uh, so those were really, really good times. It's eventually when I got my first console, which was the uh, Xbox. 
uh, at the time, and then the Xbox 360, and eventually I hopped into Halo 2, Halo 3, and went on from there. So I know a little bit about your history just because I've been involved in esports for a little bit, uh, as, as you have, but kind of take us through from like when you started with StarCraft 2 casting and eventually going to IGN and then Blizzard and then where you're at today. Oh, man, you might know it better than I do. You just, like, put it all out there. Uh, well, well, okay, well, first, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you win a contest yeah, for the IGN uh, thing? That's actually, yeah, very true. Uh, so after I got done with Halo, I tried to, like, go professional in it. I played it for a little bit. I got to, like, semi-pro status, but never actually broke into, like, the top eight of, like, MLGs or anything. Um, but eventually, Halo had its rise, and then it went to its fall. And the next big game for MLG was StarCraft Two. Um, so StarCraft Two, I hopped into to play, and I quickly, quickly learned that I'm not Korean, and I am <laughs> not good enough at beating everyone that wants to play that game. Um, you know, I thought I was a god when I played Seven Pool and beat people, but when I had to play macro games, I found out really quickly that my fingers did not move fast enough, and I noticed someone named Husky StarCraft. He was actually casting a lot of games at the time for StarCraft. And while I thought he was really good, um, I didn't feel like he was starting to do analysis of, like, builds and stuff, and I was doing a lot of research on that. So I was like, well, I can be maybe as funny as Husky, but maybe I can mix in some commentary here and there. And so I jumped into the commentary train, and, um, gosh, I was ass at commentary. I thought I was going to be good. Can I cast here? Uh, I thought I was sure. going to be kind of <laughs> decent uh, at casting, and uh, StarCraft was definitely where I was, like, super amateur at. And I did that for a couple of years on and off while working regular jobs, trying to play here and there. But eventually, as you mentioned, there was a contest in Las Vegas for IPL4 going into IPL5. Um, and it was a elimination bracket for casting games. Top four would go to IPL5 and actually compete live on stage to win a job in San Francisco. Um, at the time, Nathanius, I think, was my biggest competition. Um, we both made it to the top four, we went in and we casted, and luckily through interviews and my cast at the event, I won a job over like an eight-week span to actually make it into esports, and that was like my first big break. Uh, well, so, I didn't realize it was uh, Nathanius that you were yeah. competing against back then. Yeah, and honestly, like, <laughs> looking back on it, I think he should have won. He was so much better <laughs> at StarCraft than I was. Uh, I think I just did a little bit better in the actual interview process that happened afterwards, um, but... Regardless, he's an awesome caster, and I'm glad that he's made it where he's at nowadays. He's also getting really big on Twitch and doing very well in the StarCraft world. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I won that job, and I was in San Francisco for two months under the new job. Life is going great. I moved across <laughs> the world. Best thing ever. And then the news comes in that a new company had picked up IGN, and it was Zach Braff. Or not Zach Braff. Uh, Zach? Ziff Davis? Ziff Davis, that's it, yes. Yeah. They took the uh, the company over, and they decided that IPL was not profitable enough, and they cut the entire division. So I had moved across the entire country, drove 34 hours, started a new life, sold everything I had in Kansas City, um, you know, uh, broke off relationships there, everything, just to go in on esports. And I find out that before I even cast my first live tournament, the org I was working for had gone under. And it was the worst feeling in the world, man. Uh, I felt really, really bad. Luckily, Mommy and Daddy Blizzard came in and were like, hey, <laughs> we kind of like what you guys are doing. And they wound up picking us up. Uh-oh. 
Oh no! It was such a good part of the story too. It. it uh, the story. Okay, hold on. Let, let's let's back it up real quick. Rewind we, a little we, bit. Let's rewind. Uh, sure. Because we lost you there for a second. Let's da- go. Daddy Blizzard just picked you up. <laughs> yeah. Daddy yeah. Blizzard picked us up. Okay. Daddy Blizzard picked us up. We did StarCraft content called the WCS Today. There's still videos online if you want to see me looking like I'm 19 and I have no idea what's going on <laughs> in the world. Uh, were, were you a part of that? Uh, there was a bracket show one year where they like drew the bracket live and had a whole production uh, about that. I remember working on it. I don't think I was a talent for it. I think I no. It was like writer. Jacqueline and Rob. Um, no, I was not a part of that one. I know okay. what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. that was, I think, a year before they, it. Just because they did that like once, and I was bummed yeah. that they didn't do it more after that. Well, you could tell Blizzard was like in this mode of like, we want to make video content. We're not sure how we want to approach it, so they kind of um, looked for different solutions. And I think the IPL crew was one of those solutions, while they also had some in-house solutions. Um, and they eventually came around to getting uh, much better at it. But you could definitely tell there was like a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was one of those things. And we had, did that too. We had WCS Today where we did that almost daily. And we had a four-man crew. And gosh, man, the headaches we had. We would watch three... It was like you and Kevin Knock. Kibbles. Uh, Kibbles and then a yeah. couple of editing guys that were just completely talented. And we would watch 17 hours of content daily, try to condense it as quickly as we could, and then put it into a four- to eight-minute show with a four-man crew. Like, oh, that's insane. I- I love StarCraft, but uh, I got burned out, man, <laughs> like really quickly. Um, I got, it got to a point where I could literally look at VODs. I would jump from 2 minutes, 4 minutes, 8 minutes, 14 minutes, and I could tell you what builds were coming for which crew and who was going to win most likely if they micro correctly when it came to StarCraft. Like That's how quick I got out consuming VODs. Um, it got really, really difficult, uh, but eventually it fell through, and when it fell through, they decided to bring down a lot of the people from IPL down to – uh, Irvine, California, and they were going to start up uh, people in different positions, and one of the positions that I was offered was Heroes of the Storm Community Manager, which I was excited for. At the time, I was playing a lot of League of Legends uh, in between StarCraft rounds, and the idea of a Blizzard MOBA coming out just sounded phenomenal, and I was so on board, and so I definitely hopped on that opportunity. That's uh, that that. Wow, that was a, an incredible story right there. <laughs> it's super like, long. I, I and like honestly, I uh, IPL was my first uh, like introduction to esports. I remember was like, it? Yeah, like I remember staying up late at night watching uh, Kevin and uh, company like cast. Yeah, like that did. was how that I was w- I went to bed nightly with Kevin. That, no, out no of context, <laughs> sounds amazing, uh, actually. Someone clip that, please. Yep, clip it. Put it up. I don't care. The man, he's a beautiful man. <laughs> and I, yeah, He's been a great guy and a great mentor for a long time. I can't say nothing but positive things about Kevin, dude. Like, he, Yeah, he I, just mean, came I think like, everyone in esports has a story with him. Like, He mm-hmm. spent one BlizzCon with me after BlizzCon. Spent like half an hour, an hour with me just talking esports yeah. stuff now, and career stuff and everything question you said you were coming in around ipl4 now was that the now was that the tournament with that had stefano in it when he was uh on on zerg and he was playing against a protoss player 
Like yeah, we're reaching, uh, and they mined the map out, and the Protoss finally won with like I think an it, was either, it was either three or four. I think yeah, that was like the end of IPL four. It was the end of IPL four when the contest began, and it was IPL five that I went to to cast. Right. Um, but I knew what you're talking about. That moment where there was a big Archon toilet and everything, and they finished it the entire match. Uh, I think it was Kawhi Rice, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or was yeah. it Kiwi Kaki? Or Kibikaki, that sounds about right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Start with a K. We're on to it. We <laughs> definitely know our esports. There we go. <laughs> so, all right. Um, moving on. Is there anything you wish uh, in your current position as uh, the EU commentator? Uh, is there anything you wish you could go back and bring back? <laughs> the blues. Excuse me. <laughs> that was a, that was a lot of fun to watch. Honestly. Yeah. That was a fun little thing to do. That was kind of uh, one of the driving things that I got to do at Blizzard that um, nobody else was doing was, like, trying to do, like, community outreach. Um, I really believe that if you bring a whole bunch of people together that people want to watch that and enjoy and celebrate, like, patch days and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I wish they would bring Brawl with the Blues back. Uh, I thought about doing it on I my own too. time. But <laughs> I'm, just, I'm too busy. Like, I got my own stream to look at. I got HEC Europe. Like... One of the things that a lot of people underestimate, they're like, why don't you just get all the four streamers together and just go play? And it's like, well, those four streamers all have their own schedules and their own plans mm-hmm. and their own like goals that they want to do. Like, It's impossible to get people together. And I think working at like Blizzard, I had a little bit more pool available. I'd be like, hey, you guys want to show up? This is the only time we're doing it. They're like, yeah, I'll do it. But uh, now I'm so busy that I can barely like just throw people, let alone myself, into like certain schedules. But I don't know, actually. I kind of agree. I, I kind of miss watching those. Um, I, I hope Dylan or Ravnix kind of pulls it together next year because he's like, he's a new up and comer community manager. He could totally do it. He would kill it. He's, he's really skilled at the game. All right. Jimmy, you got another question on deck? Yeah, I've got a ton of questions. Uh, <laughs> as far as casting heroes, what skills from Star- or casting StarCraft transferred over and what was kind of new about casting a MOBA versus an RTS for you? Um, I think. Uh, a lot of people think that casting is very easy to transition between games. And to some, it might be good. Like, a play-by-play commentator, I think, can do it better. One of the things that I, like, pride myself on is I, like, I really try to play the game that I am casting. And I'm actually invested in it. Like, I don't just cast it to cast it. If I'm casting it, it's because I enjoy that game and I play it and I want to be a part of it. Um, going from StarCraft to Heroes... The tempo changed dramatically in how you would commentate a match. So StarCraft, the first like two minutes, you would do a 9 to 11 supply check and say, okay, is a proxy going to happen? Is there going to be any cheese happening? No. Okay, here's a story that I can talk about for the next two minutes and set up the mid-game that will be happening around the 12-minute mark. And with Heroes, that changes dramatically. Now suddenly, instead of a 1v1 that's happening with certain builds that are set up and how they counter each other and how engagements will occur and how the high ground is handled, you have one player plus nine of the players trying to work together as a team to find the synergy. They have power spikes at 10, 20, 13, 16, depending on some compositions. And you need to figure out how you, A, keep up with the action, but B, interject a little bit of information as you go forward. Um, One of the things that I learned with Heroes is that when you're commentating, you're not going to give everybody all the information about that match in one match. It's that simple. You're going to glaze over some things. And if you can teach them one or two things per match, that's totally okay, because there's too much going on in the game. Uh, whereas StarCraft, I felt like you could really set the basis for everything and then kind of have fun afterwards and put like a storyline or an emotion with the commentary. Uh, so the big change up is that you have to let things go 
going from StarCraft into Heroes because there's too much crap going on, man. It's too much action, uh, especially with it just being a game that has no laning. Good. It's a really good point about the game that it doesn't have any laning phase. You know. Yeah. There's there's no. Uh, let's wait for Shadow Fiend to farm up, and then we can uh, he can <laughs> rotate out a mid, and you know, like I really shouldn't talk trash about Dota two because that's getting me. Uh, an extra paycheck right look now. At the, look at this guy trying to dip into other waters and causing a ruffle here. Look <laughs> oh, at him. I'm a, I'm <laughs> a, oh, hold on. I, well, hold on. I'm holding. I've got a nice little Beyond the Summit chair. Ooh, fancy. Nice. <laughs> sent, sent, sent by them themselves because I've been their lead mod for like six years. And there, I, there you go. I asked for a chair, and LD is like, okay, here's a chair. So, <laughs> and now I'm getting paid because I'm one of their matched admins now. So, um, nice. but yeah, it, it's uh, it's the least they could do for me. <laughs> but um, so the me the current meta in the HGC, um, sure. what hero isn't being played that you would love to see come in? Oh wow, was not expecting that because. There is two different worlds and two different sides of the coin when it comes to, like, what heroes I want to be played and what heroes realistically should not be played in competitive play. Like, um, you guys know about the Rag Ragnaros, like, Lava Wave meme. Like, that was born from Hero League, because I think there are people in Hero League that just don't <laughs> play the game. And I'm like, all right, well, if I am able to soak a different lay but also help my team fight at the same time, Ragnaros is, like, the perfect answer. But he doesn't work in competitive play. He doesn't have a body for actual fights. He can be dived upon, and he has too much wind-up time, especially when it comes to his Molten Core that can be punished heavily. When it comes to competitive play, the meta is in a bit of a weird spot where Time to Kill is kind of drawn out, first off, thanks to double support. But in terms of an actual hero that I want to surprisingly show up, I think with BlizzCon around the corner, I think the Zul'jin rework is good enough to where we could see him a lot if we were to have somebody to surprisingly jump up pretty more often. I think he's the hero that I would pick going into the tournament to keep an eye out for. Obviously, there's Ana, too. Um, I think Ana's going to make it, too, because I, I feel like she's a bit busted, honestly. But <laughs> She is uh, in a double support sure. comp. She is just outright violent in a double support comp, where, yeah. she's, where she's the secondary healer. Like, it's vicious it, what she can do. It, in a coordinated environment, being able to remove 100% healing from a target, mm -hmm. pretty good. And her Seedar <laughs> is the most annoying thing to fight into. Being able to, like, get an advantage in a fight, you finally edged out the small edge. Like, all right, we're in a spot where we can push this team. And she's like, no. Just pops out of sleep, gets a penetration at level one, and suddenly two people are just like, all right, well, that push is completely done. It's basically a miniature Mighty Gus and disengage. Like, you just stop the entire team from coming your way. It's... It's pretty insane. Yeah, in a, in a coordinated environment, it's it's definitely going to be you know super powerful. But you know, random hero league game, you know, you got that one guy. I'm going in now. They're asleep. Let's go. And you know, no, half our teams at like a quarter HP. What are you doing? He's making plays. Get off his back. You don't understand the high level <laughs> strats that he's pulling off. Okay, you're flaming the wrong person here, buddy. <laughs> so. Uh... Yeah, Jimmy, I'll, Jimmy I'll yeah, you better you better ask this one because I I'm gonna troll it up if if I ask it. Oh, I don't even know which question you're. Okay, here we go. Okay, oh my goodness. Here we go. go for it. So if you could have any character in the Blizzard universe come into 
in, into the Nexus, why would it be Dustin Browder? <laughs> because terrible, he's an amazing guy. He's an amazing guy. Dustin Browder is a legend, man. Um, I think, honestly, like he could come into the game and have only one ability, just drop rocks on the field, and people would probably play him. <laughs> like, I would play him. I probably wouldn't win that often, oh. but I would play him. As long as he had his VA. If he had a voiceover from the actual Dustin Browder himself, and he just had all of his lines, because that guy just inspires you, man. Yes. Like, he could be talking about anything, and you're mm -hmm. like, you know what, Dustin, I agree with you. I think ice cream is disgusting. You are correct. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dustin. Like, I don't know, man. That guy is just, he's an amazing person. So, you know what? Put him in the game. I'm down. There you go. Uh, all right. Uh, I, I had a quick question just about HTC in general, and maybe uh, pulling the curtain back on the production a bit. Who, who of the cast is the jokes or the group playing pranks or, or whatnot. I, I want to say J-How. Yeah, who's the goofball? I want to say J-How, but... Oh, you're talking about an all of HEC. Just all yeah. HEC, yeah. J-How is a resident who, goofball. Who, who's made you laugh the hardest, I guess? I honestly... This might be a question, or it might be an answer that you wouldn't expect, but I think Grubby actually makes me laugh the most. He is the driest sense of humor... <laughs> That he's the guy that like when he says a joke, you know he thinks he's funny, and that makes it more funny to me. Like whenever <laughs> he says something, I don't know. Grubby's been like good people to me for like the last couple of years, and when he says something funny and he has like little glint in his eye, like he knows he's being hilarious. So, like that makes it ten times more funny. Um, surprisingly, a lot of people actually think. Uh, oh my, I'm just gonna go on about all the casters, I guess. Uh, surprisingly, a lot of people think that like Caldor is like this big buff butthead sometimes. Like he's like so German it hurts. <laughs> But he's actually really freaking funny, too, man. Like, when he gets going about certain things uh, that he's, like, super passionate about, like, he's pretty darn hilarious. So, I don't know. Those would be my top three that I think would uh, surprise you in terms of humor. Uh, Jay Howe, uh, Kaldor, and Grubby. Uh, speaking of, of Kaldor, um, the video, the, the little skit you guys made. Um, yeah. I've done uh, some video production myself with a roller, some roller derby skits. How long did that little skit take? How many takes did you guys have to do for you to get that run just right? Uh, are you talking about the actual physical run or the entire run? I think <laughs> dumb run. The, I the, did. the physical run and the whole the whole thing itself. So the run they made me do six different types of runs. Like, serious runs, goofy runs, and of course they chose the dumbest one with me flailing my arms. Um, like, I had a couple of, like, the first two were, like, serious runs, the third and fourth one were runs I thought were funny, and then, like, the fifth and sixth one were, like, all right, just go all out and just just be stupid. And you, so you see me flailing my arms, and of course they go with that one. Um, between all the takes, I think we did each scene, so there was, like, seven scenes each with different camera angles, uh, at least four to six times just to make sure that we had all the angles and the cut. So, like, Kaldor dived into that bush six or seven times in that scene. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't ruin it. Uh, the, the funny thing is that, that Doomhammer, the anecdote of that is that it was actually, it's the real Doomhammer. It's, like, that $300 one that's, like, super freaking heavy. And mm -hmm. Kaldor's a buff guy, and about six takes in, he's like, okay, my shoulder is kind of getting beat up here, like, holding this thing constantly. <laughs> I felt so bad for him and to carry it around. Um... And then we ha afterwards did some posts where, like, we made the voices, like, me running and the screaming and stuff. We did those probably, like, three or four times each. So it was a good two to three hours of work, I would say, getting it together for a 30-second clip, plus all the editing that we didn't yeah, even touch. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because uh, that is a huge portion of it is just editing mm -hmm. everything out where you like it. 
Yeah. Uh, taking things things back to HEC though, uh, proper. Uh, who's going to take HEC this year at BlizzCon? Uh, is EU going to stay up their ground and, and continue their their uh, their dominance from midseason brawl, or we're going to see Korea take it? I I honestly really think so. I think MVP Black is looking scarier than ever. Um, even scarier than last year when they were absolute beast. Um, so even with that being said, I still think Fnatic and Dignitas to a degree um, are going to be in the top three no matter what. And I don't know if that's part of me just because I cast EU all the time, but I truly think like European heroes is like the best way to play the mm-hmm. game. Um, what what makes them so good then? Uh, I like the control and the decisiveness in a lot of situations. Like you watch North America, and again, I'm not like trying to come here and like crap on North America. Like, oh, I we always... do it all the time in the show. But don't yeah, worry. I, I know. I just I always feel bad because like those players are like trying their hardest, man. Like one of the things yeah. that I care about when it comes to like commentary is like. After playing Halo for two to three years, even though I didn't get that far, I knew how much work I put into it, not even to become a professional. And so I get an idea and a sense of, like, how much work they put into it. And so I always feel bad when I'm like, well, North America, they just suck, right? Like, they're just not on the same level, and they make too many mistakes. And there are moments when they peter-patter around way too much in shot calling. I think shot calling in North America needs to be leveled up a bunch. And I think part of that comes from teamwork. Um and also just being a cohesive unit, which a lot of teams are starting to get there. Like, Roll20 is looking great. Team Freedom, um, to uh, a degree, is becoming stellar, especially when it comes to late-game team fights. I think they're getting better at the early game, too. Like, there is some major progress when it comes to North America, but they're not at that level when it comes to the international stage. Um, so I look at EU, and that's all they've worked on for the last two years. You go watch VODs for the last couple of years, it's always been about discipline and trying to control themes and punish your opponents. And... With HCC coming out, they've gotten much better at it. And there are moments when you look at a situation that's, okay, if they try to fight this, they either are going to win it hard and snowball the game, or they're going to lose hard. There's no in-between. And they're willing to take those moments and not gamble on them and pull off and wait to another moment to where they can make that situation work for them. And I think that's why it makes them so good. Um, Fnatic, again, just being on a different level, their execution and their ability to force mistakes out of people are very unmatched when it comes to the international stage. You saw that at the MSB. Uh, so I expect EU to walk away with a victory, and if it's not EU, I could see a world where MVP Black does make the stellar run at BlizzCon, and even though they didn't do so hot at the MSB, they might do well here at BlizzCon. Now, is there any room for a potential Dark Horse run out of NA? Uh, I mean, I'm always pointing for it, right? Like, yeah. One of the weird things about being a commentator for Europe is I naturally cheer for them because I think that they more skilled but I've known North America for two to three years like I've played with them in HL like I've know a lot of the players firsthand I've been around them a lot so I want them to do well if there was going to be a dark horse run I would probably put it on either roll 20 or team freedom I don't think tempo has the juice as a roster to do it they've proven themselves not to do it what three times now in international yeah, events they always seem to they always seem to flop, and part of it is when they get on LAN, there's something off with the team when it comes to a killer instinct, and you need that killer instinct in a tournament, period. Um, so if they can find that, they could definitely become a dark horse, but right now with history and the way that they played, I don't think they can. Good. Yeah. All right. Good answer. Jimmy, you got a, you got another question lined up? I'm a... Yeah. 
looking forward though, what would if you were say you're in charge of HEC, what, what kind of changes would you make for 2018 going forward with the the league format? Oh God, that's a loaded question. That. <laughs> I was not prepared for If you're not comfortable with it, we can move on to something else, though. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with a... a hard, no, I got a question. I got an answer. More skits. There you go. That's what I mean. There we go. More there we go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's kind of a, a really, really hard question that I think warrants like, a lot of thought into it, and I just wasn't prepared for it. So okay. call me a slacker. Go ahead. <laughs> nah. Uh, I will ask about your growing bow tie collection. Yeah. Yes. Not uh, many people can pull a bow tie off, and you're doing it rather admirably. I have moments where I think you just got to be, like, full goofball. Even if you think it looks dumb, you're just like, you know what? I'm just going to wear this, and I'm not going to be able to breathe, but I don't care. Um, so, uh, I don't know. When it came to, like, getting dressed up for the events or whatever, we, like, try to have somewhat of a different style. Like, Calder's got the vest going on. Dread's got, like, the sexy appeal. I'm like, you know what? I'll just throw a bow tie on. I'll just be the goofball of the group. And, yeah, it works, man. We've been grabbing one every two to three months. And uh, I would say I have about 11 bow ties now. And my girlfriend's just all into it, man. She's like, she went to Iceland, and she comes back with, like, two bow ties. And I'm like, you couldn't get me a postcard or something? Or, like, some chocolate? <laughs> like, Thank you for the bow tie. <laughs> they were nice bow ties, though, and we wore them a couple times. There you go. So I I believe I'm out of questions at this point. If uh, Jimmy, if you've got any more, now's the time to ask them. Uh, can you say stay tight and we'll see you real soon? You want me to drop your line? Yeah. Yes. What if I screw it up? That's well, I screwed it up. So. <laughs> All right, here we go. What what's the, what's the line? Stay tight. See you next and time. We'll see you real soon. We'll see you real soon. All right, that's it here. Stay tight, and we'll see you real soon. And there you have it. Thank you, Trixler, so much for uh, <clears throat> your time with the interview. That was a really fun interview. Uh, I felt like we could have gone on for much longer than that, but that was a lot of fun. Hopefully it was uh, informative for you all on his background a bit. I know not everyone knows his esports background and kind of where he came from, but that was a lot of fun. And uh, I think HEC is going to be really interesting to um, watch this year. I do think uh, I agree with Chick. So the MV MVP Black is really hungry to avenge their their loss at uh, midseason brawl. So we'll have to see how that all goes. Um, I expect us next week to be doing a BlizzCon preview. So look forward to that. And any thoughts before we move on to some of the news this week? Uh, yeah, I just I really enjoyed getting to know about his past. I. Uh... I discovered StarCraft like six months ago, so I really didn't know anything about his time at IGN or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, I just like, I, I knew Trickstar as a community manager, and, uh, you know, I'd see him post on the forums and stuff, and um, I used to be around his MMR bracket, and since then I've become a much worse player. So I got a few, couple games against him, which was fun. Um, <laughs> That's and, always uh, good. I've, there's been a few times I've watched Trickstar's stream, and a uh, friend of the show, Digitality, is played yeah. on his team and against him <laughs> yeah it is fun sometimes i get to play i think i played against uh Unileska a week or two ago um so it's like oh hey that's me i'm one of the nameless faces on stream 
I guess there's a name, but faceless names on stream. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun learning about him. Like you know, Carl said, uh, learning about the I, uh, the IPL uh, portion was was actually really fascinating because I used to be a I was a huge fan of IPL, you know, back in the day. So that was that was really interesting to learn. But yeah, I think we're I think we're ready to move on to the next portion. Yeah, uh, we didn't really do notes this week, so I'll try to leave this without us uh, collapsing under the weight of not having direction. But uh, I did want to talk about some esports stuff. This is really the only news we have, but Michael Udall uh, teased us yesterday that he was going to make an announcement today. He made an announcement at 6 p.m. Pacific tonight uh, that he'll be taking a break from professional gaming for 2018. Looks like he's going to try to explore other ways to be involved in esports. And I think with uh, how GFE failed to qualify for BlizzCon, this doesn't surprise me too much. And it almost feels like um, GFE was probably going to let him go anyways. But because Udall has kind of been the face of GFE for many years now, they kind of let him go on his, his terms versus them just be putting out a press release being like oh we're, we let him go so i don't know that's that's just my speculation on how this was rolled out um curious what you guys think yeah i mean i don't really don't know what when i'm behind the scenes um it uh it was really cool you know getting to see Udall come in through like the amateur scene and dorm and like rise up as a as a strong player i'm one of the better teams um that's always a cool storyline to follow um i hope you know he said he's going to pursue other ways to be in the scene um i really think coaches would improve the level of play in this game by a lot uh and, and like i don't know how many orgs or rosters actually have the financial backing to have a coach um which is just you know part of heroes infrastructure being in its infancy um but you know if you can offer stuff like that uh and helping out with with teams as they prep for international events you know even if you just like hey you know roll 20 i'm gonna work with y'all for the next couple weeks leading into, up to blizzcon and offer what insight I can. Um, that'd be really cool for him to do. So, uh, I mean, he'll be missed. Uh, you know, I like Mike. I hope, you know, I, I, I don't know that I really wanted to see him go this early, but he'll be missed. Yeah, I'm definitely a little bummed because he always gave really good interviews and uh, him always being like, yeah, we're going to win. <laughs> and that confidence yeah. was, was pretty infectious. Uh, Zex? Yeah, his optimism is definitely going to be missed. Like, he was probably like one of uh, most optimistic guys in heroes on whatever team he was whether it was you know uh, AS or Arizona State mm -hmm. um, it, GFE but really uh, with I'm, I've got to call it a collapse at this point because they were they were looking incredibly strong leading up to the midseason or not the midseason brawl, but um, BlizzCon. No, no, to uh, Western Clash. They were looking mm -hmm. like incredible look, uh, leading up to Western Clash, and then the second half they just completely fell apart, you know. And I, I think now is a good time to take a break, take a step back, um, do do your own thing, and then come back into the scene later on. Um, 
now now is a good time for a break because we're kind of in a midway point in heroes where teams and orgs are, are starting to get more and more interested and if Udol and Udol I from everything I've seen of him is a really great guy to be a face for your your org and if they put him in kind of in that ambassador role he'll probably get a ton of work done so that, that's that's those are my thoughts on that yeah, most definitely. I mean, yeah, it'll be missed from competitive heroes at least for now. But uh, now I'm really curious to what we're going to see as far as roster changes uh, post BlizzCon because this is only the first uh, domino to fall in what I'm sure will be uh, a couple different uh, changes going forward. And I think the only two team that didn't make any changes in, as far as NA was Tempo Storm last season. I can't remember. Well, a tempo storm is so not going yeah. to change. Like they, even if they go out, even if they don't make it to uh, pass the group stages, I still don't think they're going to make a change. Like, and I, and I, like, they are they are that team. They are working through what they have clearly worked through, whatever problems they have internally to continue on as tempo storm mm-hmm. so yeah and that's uh really it as far as esports news we're kind of all just waiting for blizzcon to start up starting up very soon um actually wait when did when does when did the game start because if they start in the middle of the week we might need to talk about these sooner than i thought no we're fine Never mind. I thought it was the wrong, a different week. All right, we're we're fine. So we're, we are going to talk about the games next week. Uh, you can check out the group stages on uh, the Hero site. Uh, they're all up there. Uh, get yourself acquainted because we'll be talking about who we think is getting in and out of those groups, and who will be winning BlizzCon 2017 in HTC for the year. But we did have, I believe this is this is it. This is the patch that we'll be playing BlizzCon on released today on live servers alongside the um, Hollow's End 2017 event. And this also brings Junkrat, which will not be available for HEC. But this has some of the, the bigger changes we've seen to some heroes in a while with this big change to Zul'jin. I believe we talked a bit in depth about that last week. But correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, check out all. Yeah, we had uh, G talk about that uh, and Murden as well. So some really yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, we covered the stuff. big reworks. Mm-hmm. Um, the patch that came out like Tuesday or something. Uh, we didn't really cover all the details on that. Yeah, uh, let's talk about a little bit of that. Wednesday there was a minor balance or minor balance patch that touched like 20 different heroes. Um, Kel'Thuzad got some interesting changes for us past cooldown and mana cost reduced uh the level 4e shield amount increased as well and at level 13 icy grasp increased slow duration and chain link at level 13 has had functionality of returning the mana cost of chains to kelp the zod so a little bit of a minor buff 
for some of yeah. the talents. It's mostly, I think, buffs to underpick talents. Uh, they're trying to make sure he has some healthy variety in his talent builds, um, which I think is pretty fair. I like those talents at 13. I'll definitely kind of... It's hard to pick them, I think, um, because sometimes you have, like, here's a good talent in X situation, here's a good talent in Y situation. And these are all just kind of like, do you want to buff up your E or do you want to buff up your W? So... You know, I guess you can kind of go, like, I want E-Build, so I pick this talent, and I don't feel as bad taking it anymore because they buffed it. But, uh, I don't know. Anyways, appreciate the buffs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Lunar buff is really kind of interesting. I mean, it's not, like, super crazy, but the Wisp that got changed to have a cooldown. The move cooldown re reduced from 5 to 1 second, so you can move your Wisp a little bit faster, and the number of attacks required to kill the Wisp increased from 1 to 2, so teeny tiny bit of a survivability it's just it just slows them down a little bit more i guess yeah i guess so um apathy spike burst his uh w damage got just just, just a smidge higher uh and ultimate evolution uh we talk about all this all the time of uh heroics that are picked significantly more than others uh blizzard always tries to do this to encourage other picks get picked up but uh cooldown is increased from 50 to 70 seconds on ultimate evolution don't think that'll change the pick rate much if at all yeah because you got you got heroics like uh i'm trying to think of a good one but like you know it's like jana has two heroics and like right now people only pick ring of frost but it's most because this just does more team fight damage right like people used to pick war elemental all the time they're both just they're kind of interchangeable they're damage heroics right but apather has I'm actually useful in a teamfight heroic, and I'm completely a split pusher, and you get to fight four and a half v five for the whole game, heroic. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I, I just, I I like this if they're saying Abathur does not have enough windows of opportunity for the enemy team when they're down a hero, because ultimate evolution is down. Like that's that's fair. If they're saying like from balance's perspective, Abathur has like no downtime on his effective window in a teamfight. Then great, um, but. I, it's not like incentivizing anyone to take ultimate or to take monstrosity who wasn't already going for that split push build yeah most definitely uh, I'm kind of jumping around but the uh, Nazebo's decks on the list and these are these are interesting changes um, I'm not sure I'm super on board with these but they're definitely uh, moving trying to move the health of him into the voodoo ritual stacks uh it says that in the uh developer comment but his base hp dropped by nearly 150 um corpse spider is a little bit higher damage plague of toads is down in damage um and ravenous spirit uh cast range increased by one um but also to make up for that the health per stack of voodoo ritual increased from four to six um and a couple different talent changes but People MG, I think you're the only one here who's played Nazebo regularly, at least, in some yeah. form or another. What, what do you think of these changes uh, for him? Um, well, one, they increased the cast range of Ravenous Spirit, and that's, like, my favorite ult in the game. So I'm all for that. Um, but the the trait thing with his health, where they nerfed his base health and buffed the, the stacking... It, uh, it's definitely going to take a lot of work to re-get that because if you're having a pretty good game, you know, I think the 
level 20 talent unlocks at 175 stacks. So you're getting like 350 bonus health out of this change and you lost um, 150 base. And now at level 20 scaling, it's probably like roughly equivalent. So I think it's just a flat nerf. Um, but I don't know. He gets he gets pretty tanky by the end of the game, so it's probably not the worst thing. Um, the superstition th change is weird though, um, because it it was you get 40 spell armor, and you but you take like 25 percent. You get like minus 15, minus 15 or minus 25 physical armor, uh, but now basic attacks remove the bonus for three seconds. So. If they're basic attacking you, you don't have a 13 trait, uh, which feels pretty bad. Uh, like, even if, like, you know, their tank, you know, he stuns you and then auto-attacks you, you know, and then all of a sudden the leaming combo deals full damage. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a talent that might be good if the meta shifts to more mage-heavy, but even then, like you said, the tank just goes in and touches you a few times and you're yeah so you're it's kind of screwed because if it's like okay they've got a tank who's gonna auto attack me but i don't care about his damage anyway right even though it's amped by 15 percent but like if they've got a vala i can't pick this whereas now it's like it doesn't even matter like if they have died that's gonna get onto me i can't pick this i need ice block hmm. so And this also Anyways. included, uh, we're going to just jump to the warrior changes because there's a lot of uh, minor changes to go through. Go ahead and read those on here's the storm.blizzpro.com. Uh, Zex, uh, have you had a chance to look at these diva changes? Because they definitely changed some, some new things on her, um, just on the talents alone. Um, a, lot, a lot of changes on that level one talent. Um, I haven't gotten a lot of change. Uh, chance to play diva here recently let's see here rush down that just seems like it makes it a little harder to do the crash course the crash course that's definitely a buff that seems nice uh pro moves i honestly never took the pro I took that one with the massive boost, but mm -hmm. I haven't played her here recently. Diverting power actually seems really, really good. Um, that 20% increase while you're using it is going to be really, really helpful, I think. Um, I don't know anybody who takes nuclear option at 7. Just because mm -hmm. it takes so much longer for that, if I'm thinking of the right talent, it takes yeah, so I, I much take it, longer. <laughs> I took it once this weekend and immediately regretted it. <laughs> yeah, as you should have, because no, that's just not a good talent. Stop and pop. I'm already a, a huge fan of stop and pop. And that extra damage is just insane right mm -hmm. there. Especially if you catch someone like running towards a bush and you're in the bush like that's just an ungodly amount of damage right there that is gonna just hurt uh can the concuss concussive pulse seems that that uh reduced cooldown seems pretty good as well uh garage death wish uh, okay 
I mean, Warlord's Challenge is still a godlike uh, <laughs> CC. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, the, Joe, the Joe changes are interesting, though. I like the, the base health increase and the slow duration increased on Falling Sword, making it definitely a little bit more competitive uh, with Blessed Shield. I, I think, I really think Falling Sword's the talent to go to now. Like, I, I really, really do. I, I mean, Blessed Shield is great, but, like, Falling Sword will knock out channeling ults. Um, I mean, so and, does Blessed Shield. But, yeah, but y you don't always get the bounce you want on Blessed Shield, where with Falling Sword, you can control that. You hit who you want to hit. And then you're in perfect position for Condemn, Punish, Shield Blares. Like, to me, Falling Sword just has more utility right now. And the slow duration being bumped up to three seconds, that's, if I remember, what, a 50% slow upon landing? So that's, that's a huge amount of time for them to be slowed that long. Also, hold your ground, getting an additional 10% on your shield. That actually makes me think, maybe I should take that, rather than Laws of Hope. Mm -hmm. I mean, Laws of Hope's still very good, obviously, but having that extra shield on hold your ground is, is definitely something now to consider. I, I'm not going to be surprised if I see people taking that. Uh, Roar... Damage buff. Honestly, I, I might take that. Blessed Hammer. I only used to take that talent because her 16 tier was garbage, and Blessed Hammer was really the only good thing, especially when she had uh, battle momentum. So I would Oh, be able man, to battle momentum. Throw... I missed that. Yeah, I, used, I would throw out <laughs> tons and tons of just <laughs> condemns just to get that extra damage. Because that made her a really effective jungler, if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, she was really, really good at jungling once you got battle momentum. So, but, yeah, like I said last week, welcome back, Johanna. Like, people, I, I will be shocked if she doesn't come just... And, and it's and, and it's right for her to come back into the meta, because Natalie Dormer is a beautiful woman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't played any of this rework, kind of re minor reworked uh, Johanna yet, and I'm, I, I really need to. I keep picking ETC though, because <laughs> he's just really good right now. But yeah, Joe's Joe's really good as well. So some really interesting changes for uh, HEC coming up, as well as uh, the ones that came out today with Muradin and Zuljin, which we talked about last week. Uh, go check out last week's episode for those. Um, I, I think it's kind of a light news week, so we might be uh, having a short show tonight. So, any any closing thoughts before we uh, we send it off for for tonight? Rework Chen. There you Seriously. go. Seriously. <laughs> Uh, P Flame G. Um, no, I don't have many uh, closing thoughts. I'll definitely be uh, trying to do a little bit more look into some of the teams going to BlizzCon so I can have a better idea of what's going to go down as the group stages start up. So, that uh, should be a good discussion next week. Yeah, most definitely. 
Uh, make sure to go check us out on blitzpro.com to see the newest episodes as well as on youtube.com slash blitzpro. Discord.blitzpro.com where we hang out all through the week. Patreon.com slash heroes power if you want to support us as well as reviewing us on iTunes and Google Play. Five-star reviews really help expand the show out. Um, thanks once again to Trixler for coming on this show and having a chat with us. We really enjoyed that. And uh, that should be it for this week, episode 121 of the Heroes Power. Go get those Halloween loot chests, loot crates, uh, and we hope you get what you want. And we will see you next week. Stay tight.